Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some Blunt Business with your host... Now, thanks for joining us here for another edition of Blunt Business, presented by the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo here on CannabisRadio.com. Today, we speak about the legal, political, and financial obstacles surrounding cannabis companies and their access to banking solutions. So, I'm here with a representative of R Street. It's a nonprofit public policy research organization that supports free markets, limited effective government, and responsible environmental stewardship. Amen. Headquartered in Washington, D.C., with five regional offices across the country. Here with me is R Street's Director of Finance, Insurance, and Trade Policy, Ray Lehman. Ray, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Really, like I said, uh, what you're supporting is absolutely why I'm 100% lockstep in with as well. So this will be a great mm-hmm. conversation. Now, R Street President Eli Lair, he wrote an op-ed in the Daily Caller, and it's titled, quote, <laughs> It's time to let marijuana companies into the banking system. He wrote this, quote, For this reason, even people who oppose legalization and will work to fight it should simply accept reality and open the financial and banking system to cannabis-based businesses. Doing so makes sense and ought to be acceptable even to those who think marijuana should remain illegal for recreational use. Accordingly, bringing marijuana into the mainstream banking system simply makes good sense. The fact that something is harmful and marijuana certainly can be isn't a good reason to deny it access to the banking system. So, Ray, what does the support for this initiative scale out? Who supports Eli's claim and who does not? Sure. There's uh, generally become agreement uh, among the major banking organizations like uh, the American Banking Association, uh, the Independent Community Bankers Association, uh, the Credit Union National Association, which represents credit unions, which is an alternative to banks, 
um, that they would like uh, to be able to to provide loans and depository services to this business. It's obviously a, a rapidly growing business. It's got a problem, uh, a, a notable problem in not being able to access the banking system um, because of federal laws, not just federal narcotics laws, but money laundering and, and uh, you know, financial uh, uh, tracking laws that uh, make it difficult if for banks that do offer services, they don't know that they can use that those deposits as collateral uh, because they are uh, potentially illegal under federal law. Um, they don't have uh, they have to comply with a, a lot of regulations even to uh, examine the sorts of companies who are coming to them needing banking services. Uh, and they'd like, you know, to have some some safe harbors that if they are going to provide services to these businesses, no. they are not going to be liable under criminal statutes, um, you know, the, for the large companies who have, you know, billions of dollars in, in uh, deposits, they are at this point not willing to provide those services because the liability is just too huge. There was a recent hearing by the U.S. House Committee on Financial Services, and that's, uh, one, that's the one, for those of you who know, Maxine Waters is the chairperson of that mm-hmm. uh, panel. They were exploring yeah. access to banking services for legitimate cannabis-related businesses. A uh, bill proposed yeah. by Democratic Repo- uh, Representative Ed Perlmutter of Colorado named the Secure and Fair Enforcement, or the Safe Banking Act of 2019, would ensure that mm-hmm. federal banking and credit union regulators could not sanction regulated lenders or limit their access to deposit insurance on grounds that they provided service to legitimate cannabis businesses. So we've heard about the Safe Banking Act. We've talked about it here on the show. While nothing has yet passed, it did get passed committee at this point as we record. Do you think it can still get voted on, approved, and signed? Would that be the the answer for all of this? It's possible. I mean, moving through committee is significant. Um, and I think... Uh, it is likely that it will get a vote on the House floor and probably can pass the House of Representatives. Um, if it got to the White House, if it got to President Trump's desk, uh, it sounds like he would sign it. Yes. Uh, both, uh, both the Treasury Secretary and the Attorney General, the new Attorney General, Bill Barr, have expressed support for this kind of legislation. The real question is, can it get through the Senate? Um, and it's very yeah. difficult to move anything through the Senate these days. Um, it's possible. Uh, I won't say it's likely, uh, but it's not It's not out of the realm yet. Uh, there are Republican supporters uh, in the Senate, and you only need a few to get it to the floor. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll have to see on that. You know, and part of that support you were talking about is the States Act. I know there's also been... Uh, Proposed. I know that Bill Barr yeah. and the president have expressed support to it. That yeah. tells me that there obviously there was always a talk on the platform back in 2016 about if you know there was a good need for research or for for the states to get there and decide on what they want to do with cannabis. That's you know either which way is good. And when it comes to bipartisanship, you're absolutely right when it comes to whether it can make it into the, into the Senate and what will be done with that because. <laughs> The problem is now the 2020 election, the Democratic candidates yep. are definitely using cannabis as a platform. I saw there was a drug policy summit uh, in Washington that was going on today, and I was watching some of the live stream of that. You know, So yeah. the Republicans can push back on that, those that are the, 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 the real the rhino hard uh, establishment, the country club, if you will. Right. They'll, they'll push sure, back on it. It's unfortunate. The, 
the the states act um i would say is is less likely than the safe act and okay. just to understand the difference between the two of them the the safe act called the safe banking act that just deals with uh, depository institutions it doesn't it doesn't legalize marijuana in any real sense the okay. the safe act would defer to state law across the board so not just dealing with financial services but um, generally speaking that the federal government would uh, not interfere in states where it's yes. legal for either med- medical or, or recreational purposes um, you know and that also does have some bipartisan support the co-sponsor of uh, of that bill in the Senate is Cory Gardner is a Republican from Colorado right. but as you were mentioning the election it, it is important to note that the main sponsor of that bill is Elizabeth Warren and that and given that she is a a serious candidate for president I yes. don't know that uh, the Republicans are, are interested in giving her a victory as she decides to try to run. Which is stupid. I mean, I know Cory Booker also <laughs> put a bill out, a reintroducibility yeah, ahead of as yeah. well. I, so, you know, yeah. see, that's the part where I don't get the politicization of it. This is bipartisan. Yeah. And I would think, mm-hmm. you know, whatever happens, let this, let's get one of these bills passed and not worry about this yeah. as a platform issue coming up in next year. It doesn't need to be there. I think something could get passed beforehand, but we can only hope. But at least mm-hmm. this is all circulating. The talk is there. There's efforts out there to get this passed. We just have to it's a wait and see mode. I would like to see yeah. it before the election cycle gets really into play myself. But uh, anyway, mm-hmm. we're here with Ray Lehman of R Street Institute here on Blunt Business. We're going to come back with some more questions for you, talk more about the baking industry and the issues related to cannabis-related businesses. we got a whole lot of education and uh, context to give to you coming up after the break. But first... We're going to educate you a lot when it comes to these factors, when it comes to our the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. It's coming up August 3rd and 4th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. We will have sessions that will deal with uh, education, finance, uh, finance, investments, accounting, 280E. All those different areas will be addressed in our agenda, and we were working on the agenda as we speak. We'll have more information as it comes along here on the show. Please go ahead and join us August 3rd and 4th. You can register now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Back more with Ray Lehman here on Blunt Business in just a minute. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections, and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are coming soon to Portland, Maine, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Miami. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 gardens centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. 
educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register before May 1st for an early bird discount of 50% off now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Join us for the 2019 U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo August 3rd and 4th in Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. My guest this week is Ray Lehman, who is with R Street Institute. He is Director of Finance, Insurance, and Trade Policy. So let me give some context when it comes to what the issues are uh, and the state of banking for the cannabis industry is today. So let me just go through a couple of paragraphs uh, real quick, Ray, just to give some context to our listeners. Now, despite laws providing for the legal distribution of medicinal marijuana in 32 states and the criminalization of recreational marijuana in 10 states, plus the District of Columbia, the Federal Controlled Substances Act, the myriad banking statutes and regulations, continue to make it difficult for banks and credit unions to provide financial services to those businesses that operate in accordance with state cannabis laws. According to the most recent data from the U.S. Treasury Department's Financial Crime Enforcement Network, there were 375 banks and 111 credit unions serving cannabis-related business accounts as of the fourth quarter of 2018. That's an important stat there. Ray, are you surprised at the amount of financial institutions at this point taking the risk to work with cannabis-related companies, and should cannabis owners take advantage of this while they can? Sure. It's not necessarily surprising. Most are operating, uh, continuing to operate under... Uh, the guidance that they got from the Department of Justice back in 2013, mm-hmm. what's called the Cole Memo. Yes. Um, and that uh, essentially provided them some safe harbor to operate. Um, they felt um, that, the, that the government, the federal government would not uh, interfere in their operations. It has, that memo has formally been re- rescinded. Uh, former Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, it was one of the uh, one of the earlier things he did yeah. in his tenure was to rescind <laughs> that memo. Um, so they don't really have safe harbor anymore. What what they have to uh, bear in mind is if uh, the federal government were to change its opinion, uh, then on a dime they would have to, you know, unwind their transactions. They they could be ordered immediately to stop banking any of these customers to. Uh, expunge any of the deposits they've taken to to undo loans that they've given out, and that uh, would be really uh, disruptive. Um, now, 375 banks and 111 credit unions um, sounds like a lot, but there's there's you know tens of thousands of financial institutions in the United States. So, right. uh, mm-hmm. out of out of say 30,000, which is a reasonable estimate of how many are out there, that's a pretty small number. They're mostly pretty small. Uh, institutions, um, you know, some cases, the credit unions in particular, they may have been formed intentionally by credit unions are owned by their members. And so you could have a number of, of cannabis related businesses who get together and start a credit union. Um, and I, I know that some of them uh, are are of that nature. Um, the services that they provide are also uh, still pretty limited. They do provide depository services. They can't do uh, a lot of the more advanced transactions that 
uh, you might expect. They can't do securities. Um, you know, if a, co- a public, if a company wanted to go public, uh, those markets are not available to them. Uh, insurance, in many cases, is not available to them. So there's a lot of things that uh, that market would still need. Um, but it is, you know, it is, it does exist, and it is growing, but it's growing less quickly than the cannabis business as a whole is. Now, from a story that was uh, published uh, from R Street on the R Street website uh, for WeedMaps, yeah. cannabis might not be a cash-only business as banking guild gets a key vote. Uh, one again, mm-hmm. just take a couple quotes that are off of there. You mentioned the Cole mm-hmm. Memorandum, which was rescinded by former Attorney General Sessions in January 2018. They mentioned this yeah. in their story, quote, because of this uncertainty, lenders who serve the market need to be prepared or to unwind their loans at any moment. And without the kind of permanent safe harbor the Safe Banking Act offers, many other leaders, include those with the kinds of robust compliance processes, need to need the services sector effectively remain on the sidelines. Barred from yeah. access to most traditional depository, we just mentioned before, as cash only, yeah. the need for traditional banking services in this emerging market is highlighted by a 2017 report from the Wharton Public Policy Initiative finding that fully half of all cannabis dispensaries, this is interesting, have been robbed or burglarized. So now, right, the options for cannabis businesses to resort to find asset safety until this gets resolved, do we need to just start investing more in safes? Or what is there to do? Yeah, right. And then some do, uh, some have looked at Bitcoin as as an opportunity. Um, And I don't know that that's a great option either. Bitcoin is really volatile. Um, or any of those digital currencies, you know, they, you, what you may think you have, you know, a hundred thousand dollars today and you may have five thousand dollars tomorrow because the value of, of the, uh, the digital currency can swing really quickly. So that's not a great option either. Um, but yeah, operating as a cash business is, is dangerous. Um, people who, (laughs) including banks (laughs) could tell you about that. Oh my (laughs) God. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's horrible to go uh, through that. But yeah, this, right. how I mean, it's amazing how this business is taking off like it is, and this is still. Yeah. Am- I mean, it's like the dark ages. We're like uh, it's like the nineteen twenties yeah. here, or something like that. We're like uh, sure, uh, Great Depeche time or something like that. So now there's right, been- and, and, and yeah, just to, to add, you know, one of those things that's important to note, you know, the the smaller lenders, and you know, I commend them for for trying to work through this stuff, but they don't. Many, many of them don't actually have on staff the kinds of people that you need uh, to comply with the law. There, you have to file suspicious activity reports. You need to really know, just because marijuana is legal in your jurisdiction doesn't mean your customer is, is actually following the law. Um, you need to know your customers well. You need to have compliance officers who are looking at what their business is and, and, and ensure that they are you know, following every regulation that they need to, um, or else you're potentially on the hook. Um, and so you really need a, a larger institution that has those kinds of resources. And the larger institutions thus far have not been interested in getting into this business. So again, from the story from Weed Maps, they're making a mention. I mean, there's even the fact of you know potential for criminal civil liability. You got money laundering that could still be an issue as well to bring yeah. deposits into the traditional banking, and then. When lenders are even providing financial services to legal marijuana, compliance, like you said, appropriate to services, it's daunting and beyond what small lenders can manage. So now they're yeah. proposing, we need federal law, quote, to provide guidance, clarity, and a permanent safe harbor for depositories who work with state-sanctioned yeah. cannabis businesses. So 
Has anyone taken the initiative in Washington that you would know of from any of the, from your circles, I guess, with R Street? And are there any lobbying efforts? Who's lobbying in Washington on the behalf to get this fixed? There, uh, I mean, the lending institutions, as I mentioned, uh, you know, at the earlier part of the of the segment, um, they are involved. They are engaged in that. Uh, before the House Financial Services Committee voted on this, on um, the Safe Banking Act, there was a hearing where you know three different lobbyists from the major uh, banking tr- banking and credit union trade associations all testified. Uh, provide you know provided. Um, background on their experience with the business so far, what are the challenges that they face, and the things that they need to to see change. So, you know, having the American Bankers Association uh, in favor of this is is definitely a plus. Um, If they were opposed, then it would have no shot. (laughs) But (laughs) the fact that they are interested uh, does does give it some uh, credibility as as a moving target. Uh, There are a lot of members in, in both parties who who take what they say seriously um and and so yeah there's there's definitely a, a besides the the cannabis industry itself is also lobbied on this yeah. um and there are trade trade associations of course who have uh, been interested but they they don't necessarily have the the history and the connections that the banking industry does Totally. So we're again here with our, Ray Lehman of R Street Institute. We're going to have some final questions. And all, we've kind of dropped the name the States Act. We're going to go ahead and detail that for you and uh, ask a question with uh, Ray here about that. And uh, some other issues when it comes to banking institutions, the smaller institutions working, the implications they have to deal with, with dealing with cannabis businesses. We're going to talk all about that as we wrap things up here with Ray Lehman here on Blunt Business after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seed, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with final questions for Ray Lehman of R Street Institute. We've talked about the States Act. We've dropped that uh, bill uh, in our discussion here, Ray, and I really do appreciate mm-hmm. you answering all my questions here for the program. It's really great. So let's go ahead and give some context for our listeners about 
the Strengthening the Tenth Amendment Through Entrusting States Act, or the States as it is abbreviated, Act of 2019. We mentioned earlier Cory Gardner, Republican of Colorado, Elizabeth Warren, Democrat from Massachusetts, and also 2020 presidential candidate in the Senate. Earl Blumenauer, Dave Joyce, and the House of Representatives have supported the bill as well. It's bipartisan, exempts individuals and businesses in compliance with state cannabis laws, sets a new federal guidelines for certain provisions from the Federal Controlled Substances Act. Legislation, therefore, allow would allow states to determine their own cannabis policies without fear of federal interference. That would be great. We've talked about AG, the White House, are looking to indicate support if passed. Would this be an ultimate resolution? Would this be a better resolution than waiting for full federal adult use legalization, do you think? Uh, I, I agree. We do support the, the States Act as well. Um, the, this has been introduced in the past a couple times. It just uh, was reintroduced in this session uh, earlier this month, back on yeah. April 4th. Um, and... It, it would solve a lot of issues. I mean, leave, just in my area of financial services, um, you know, insurance is not covered under the SAFE Act. Um, but there is definitely interest in insurance, um, in providing liability insurance, property insurance, workers' compensation insurance to employees of cannabis firms. Um, the, every, uh, every quarter, the state insurance commissioners get together. Uh, it's called the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, the NAIC. Um, and they have a task force related to cannabis insurance. And I can tell you, I'm a, I'm a regular attendee at those meetings. Mm-hmm. And the cannabis task force, uh, those those meetings are packed out the door, standing room only. Um, there's a lot of interest. Uh, companies are would like to, you know, see how they can get in uh, to providing insurance to uh, to cannabis firms. Uh, legally, uh, so the safe the the states act rather would would uh, provide an opportunity for insurance as well, not just banking. Um, and in addition to just across the board, it would defer to the states to to uh, treat marijuana as each state sees appropriate. For me, this is I mean, this is just my opinion. I think ultimately, this is when when you see how full adult use legalization was passed in Canada and legalized. I don't think that works for the United States. I think this kind of a policy would be the ultimate solution for the cannabis industry here in the States because of the fact that the States are doing quite a good job. Those that are already, that already have medical or uh, adult use, they're doing a lot of strenuous work to make sure regulations and compliance and testing and industry standards are very highly placed. So there's a lot of work behind that. Plus, I think, well, listen, I mean, the government, when you look at what the post office looks like, the IRS or the, or just how the Affordable Health Care Act was implemented, I, I just don't trust the government to take care of these issues. I think state and local can definitely handle the, the, the labor here with this. Plus, then, you know, yep. listen, you want to collect the taxes from it? By all means, but leave the infrastructure to the state, I think. That would be the best bet. I agree. We think, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of issues are better managed at the state level, um, among other things, because people in different parts of the country feel differently about subjects. You know what yeah. what people in California and what people in Alabama want to do uh, is going to be different. Um, how they feel about different topics is going to change. And you have freedom as an American 
uh, we, we still have open borders between the states. <laughs> if, you don't, yes. if you don't like the law in the state you're in, you can go to another one. I mean, that was the only thing that really would be the issue is just interstate commerce. If the states will work with together in lockstep and make state to state delivery of services, goods and services for the cannabis industry, that will be the only thing that will be the real step. But I think that can sure. also be figured out. And I think mm-hmm. the money will talk when it comes to that, as opposed to yeah. having to go through work through Washington, which is, I just do not want to deal with myself. Now, appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> now, one more thing yep. I want to just make a quote from is, uh, quote, as more and more states move forward with legalization or decriminalizing the use of marijuana for medical and or recreational purposes, even lenders that prefer to eschew doing business with cannabis-related firms can nonetheless find themselves liable under federal drug and money laundering statutes. So this is the threat they're going to be taking for these institutions. So, you know, how is it that uh, financial institutions, whatever the size, they're still willing to take the gamble anyway. Some do, right? Uh, at this point, most don't, but some do. Um, and uh, it's because they feel they have a handle on this business and that they they know what the risks are and they know what their liability is um, and that they know their customers. Yeah. And uh, and more power to them. You know, I, I, I think Absolutely. it's good that there are business that there are institutions that are already in the business. There would be many more. Uh, if we got legislation like the SAFE Act or the States Act uh, providing the, the safe harbor that, you know, you really need to to be able to go into this in a big way. Fantastic. So, Ray, I really do appreciate you taking time to join us. Now, uh, real quickly, go ahead and uh, talk to about R Street Institute. Uh, the website is rstreet.org. So give us some more background about uh, what R Street does and what you do for the cannabis industry in general. Sure, we're uh, we're a uh, a nonprofit uh, public policy think tank. We were founded in 2012. I was actually one of the co-founders. Um, the our our original staff uh, all previously were employees of a of a group called the Heartland Institute, based out of Chicago. And we we broke off and started our own institution. Um, we're engaged in a lot of different policy areas. Uh, I deal with mostly financial services and, and international trade. Uh, we also have a big tech program and mm-hmm. a national security program, a criminal justice program. Um, in some cases, there is overlap here. Uh, you know, our criminal justice program is very interested in sentencing reform. Uh, we have a, uh, a harm reduction program that deals with, you know, things like, uh, you know, curing, uh, addressing opiate addiction, um, and, you know, safe, safe injection sites and things like that. Uh, cannabis can play a role in that area as well. Um, so, uh, we, we are a, a general interest, uh, think tank. We, uh, produce research. Uh, we meet with members of Congress and state legislatures. We write op-eds. Uh, we go on television sometimes or the radio, uh, and, and talk about our, uh, our positions, which, uh, you know, generally are, we are a free market group, but we, you know, try to be pragmatic. Um, we're, we're not, uh, hardcore ideologues. We look at what is politically feasible, uh, and try to come up with solutions that could actually, uh, become law. It's common sense. I mean, for me, yeah. you know, unfortunately the TV appearances, they, I don't know how many you might get, but <laughs> I also know that the, you know, the cable TV outlets, they're, they're not really, yeah. uh, savvy at making sure to bring on somebody that's going to be able to confront and have a proper right. debate and yeah. discourse. They want somebody that can basically just trounce down on any regular basis. And that, uh, for me, more than not, I wish more people that are offered those offers 
please do not take those. I don't care if it gives you exposure or not. Yeah. Don't take right. it. You're going. It's yeah. not going to benefit anybody. So, for me, this is a this is bipartisan. There's no. I don't think there's any real divisiveness on this issue. So when it comes to those and any political, you know, opinions you might have, cannabis should yeah. not be. I don't think there's any kind of a left right deal to it at all. There shouldn't be. And right. look at the majority that people want. That they are in support of this. It's there. And I think the education part on getting more of the medical side noticed, more research, more proof of what the benefits are of this plant, the flower, or whatever, however it's being consumed, it should be seen. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel much more hopeful than anything else that might get passed in Washington, D.C. So. Right, right, right. So, again, Ray Lehman, who is a director of... Finance, insurance, and trade Finance, policy. Insurance, trade. Yep, yep. <laughs> Sorry, we just took a little pause. I was just trying to scroll up on the on my outline. Director of Finance, <laughs> Insurance, and Trade Policy for rstreet.org, R Street Institute. Thank you again for joining us here on Blunt Business today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, and I hope we will continue to keep the conversation going. Obviously, if things change uh, in Washington, we get some some uh, progress in some of these bills. Then I'd love to have you back on a future show. Thank you. We'd love to do it. Awesome. So again, our sponsor for this wonderful event, which we will, I, I'm going to make sure, uh, you know, being working with uh, some of the speakers and some of the agenda here for the show, the programming, uh, I want to get my input in for this USCC Expo coming up in Miami. I definitely want to have talk about all these government issues, banking, financial investment. I want this to be a, a hot topic, hot buzz, hot button topic of conversation at our next USCC show, USCC pro, uh, event in Miami. The United States Cannabis Conference and Expo for 2019 coming to Miami August 3rd and 4th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Make sure to register now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. We hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us here for Blunt Business. You can download past episodes by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Speaker, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.